Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to a very special New Year's edition of Signal of Doom. I'm Dave, and I'm here with the mighty Michael Kellishim. Michael, firstly, greetings to the show. How are you going, buddy? Greetings and glorious peace be upon you. Yeah, that's right. A Roman peace, I say. A Roman peace. Peace through war, you know? Um, Look, Michael, I would say you're our longest... Uh, listener, definitely our longest Patreon member. You're a backbone of the Signal of Doom community. Um, firstly, it, I'm, I'm amazed that we haven't had you on yet, and I'm so happy to have you on. And you have even written, like, I would almost call a term paper. Uh, like, or it was like a thesis that I read last night on the comic book industry, which, firstly, is so much more than any other co host has done in the history of Signal of Doom. No other co-host, Stu never did it, Rich hasn't done it, you put pen to paper, how does it feel to be the main man? Uh, it's feeling pretty good. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I call it the decline and fall of the Western comic book industry. Wow. <clears throat> a, a big title and a oh. big essay. Now, before we even get started on that heady topic, and I, I think we both agree Spoilers, listeners, the, the Western comic book industry is in trouble, uh, especially in terms of the new books. Um, do you want to take us through, like, Michael, if, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly, you're like a postman, aren't you, over there? Is that is that one of your jobs? You deliver the mail? Yep. I love it. I deliver the mail. The postman always oh, delivers. That exposes lie number one. You know oh. how they talk about the paper shortage? There's more paper than ever before. The junk mail has not slowed down. That's true. That's true. (laughs) The junk mail has actually gone up. Um, There's plenty of paper out there. So can I ask a question? I I, I want to know. So are you like, is it it like a nine to five gig or is you're up really early? What is the life cycle of the the paper man, the postman these days? Uh, At the, okay. So at the United States Postal Service, what you do is it's basically eight hours. Um, okay. The mail is separated in three different categories. You got your letters that come sorted into trays. Mm-hmm. You got your catalogs and stuff like that. You sort that in the morning. And then you have all the packages. Right, like your Amazon and packages routes, and stuff. Yeah? Yep. So all the routes are adjusted to be about eight hours from you know beginning to end. Are you on a bike? <clears throat> Depending on in, the distance. In, in the U.S., are you on a bike, like a motorbike? Like a little motorbike? No. No? No, I've seen those. Those are embarrassing. No. So what do you want? Are you in a car? Are you walking? Like, what are you doing? You no, know, they all have uh, government vehicles, okay. and you either have a mounted route, which means you just sit in your truck all day and drive from mailbox to mailbox. Right. Or you will just actually walk door to door. Gotcha. Wowee. So uh, that's yeah. interesting. Like, it's just great to have a postman on the show. I'm just excited. Um, so, okay, so take us into, obviously, um, you look like you're a bit of a younger guy. You look like you're younger than me. Uh, what are you, like, late 20s? Uh, 
I was born the year the music died, 1983. Okay, right. The year the clash broke. Okay, right. Okay, so you, <laughs> you're, you're like a younger age of me. So what I'm trying to say is when did you get into your comic books? Like what was your entry point? Mm, I think when I used to visit my grandma, I used to get like hand-me-down comics. Yes. And it used to be stuff from like the 80s or like the late 70s. Cool. Um, I remember like, Fantastic Four, the John Byrne stuff. Yep. Uh, reprints of Jack Kirby, things like that. Sure. I love it. And uh, actually, you know what? I haven't asked you the serious question. Uh, Betty or Veronica, uh, Michael? <laughs> or, you know, which way, you've, which way you're going there? <laughs> going with Betty. Betty, the girl next door. The girl next the first door. first vote. It's going for Betty. Okay, and also my secondary question to that is, in your eyes, Michael, based on your experience of the world over there, you're delivering the mail, you're seeing a lot of different faces, are we in a simulation, Michael? Like, is it a simulation? Well, I'll tell you, I have listened to every single episode of Signal of Doom. I have heard your voice more than any other living human being. Jesus. And now I'm on the signal of doom. Yeah. So, yes, I think I actually am in a simulation. Right I now. like it. Well, I agree with you. I mean, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm running the simulation, believe you me, it's going to get crazy because I have a limited patience. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm going to throw aliens at them. I'm going to throw zombies at them. I'm not going to stop. Like, you, like I used to do with my sims. You just can't let those guys relax. Um, okay, mm. so you, you kind of got into it in, like, late 80s and stuff. So what, what would be... I'm not sure we've ever really spoken about this in all our conversations, and Michael is a is a serious correspondent. Like, if you had to name, you know, for, you know, your your sort of top three characters or runs, what would what would come to your mind? Like, what what do you go back to? Hmm. I think I have the most of the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, really? Okay. I think I have about three long boxes of them. Wow! Pretty so- sure I have all of them. So you'd fit yeah. in well on um, with Adam on Legion Outpost. You could replace me. I could outsource, you know. Uh, <laughs> contract. Out. Yeah, I've got contract you uh, out. You know, that, Adam, that, Adam can send you a free comic. You know, he's over there in the states. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's one state below me. Right. Where, where are you? Which which one? Are you, which one are you in? I'm in Michigan. You're in Michigan, right he, underneath me. He's in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Is, is where he's yeah. from. Yeah, I always like to announce that on the show. Sierra, Michigan. Um, okay, so, so so Legion of Superheroes is your favorite, is it? Uh, I like them. I like Fantastic Four. Chuck Dixon. I think I have more Chuck Dixon than anything else. Good. Great. I, say, I have all of his Batman, Nightwing, Robin. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Cross-gen stuff. He's, well, he's the Winter best. World. Winterworld's awesome. Like, Chuck, like in all honesty, Chuck has been on the show you know, numerous times, and he just is the best. Like, he's he's so easy to chat to. Uh, he's good humoured. You know what I mean? Like, it's always nice when someone's got a bit of humour. They don't take themselves incredibly, you know, totally seriously, kind of thing. You know, it's it's. He's nice. the one I find easiest to ask him questions. I already have ten lined up. So next That's time right. you want to call him. Well, yeah, we we are going to have Chuck back on. I can tell you, Chuck has. Uh, many projects going but he has a conan novel about to be released um mm. which we're going to have him on around the release of that well I'll, I'll read the novel and we'll have him on so he will be on within the next couple of months i mean we've got stuff you've actually caught us in a holiday period um we come mm-hmm. back signal comes back next 
not this Friday, but next Friday we do our first show back. Um, and I've already got some guests lined up um, for for next year. Ed Greenwood's coming back. Um, I'm already working on questions for him. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Ed's coming back, and 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 a couple of other people. Garden Gardener Fox's biographer is coming on. Oh wow! Um, hey, that's the next best thing. I cannot. Yeah, we Science, can't get. Science did work out for you. <laughs> we we can't get the great man himself because he sadly passed. And Rich was useless. I was like, Rich, where are we on the parents? Where are we on the gravesite? You know, like to to try to nail down the location of Gardener Fox. But I got in touch with his biographer. And she's coming on, so I'm I'm very happy with myself, my investigation. Um, so Gardner I'm I've like for What's that? Oh, I say Gardner Fox. He's like the forgotten creator. I mean, just look at the stuff that he created mm. that they're still milking today. Zatanna and Hawkman. I think it, just so much. And Justice they just League. Blow them off. Justice League. <laughs> that, yeah, that little one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Gardner Fox is awesome, dude. So. I'm really looking forward to he did some Conan sort of uh riffs. So he did like some novels. He did a lot of novels as well. And um yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting his biographer on because she's done like a deep dive on him for the book and everything. So it's it's gonna be great stuff. Now, Michael, so uh turning to this email that you sent, so how do you want to address this like you you came with a lot of concerns. Um as far as you're concerned, you've looked at the industry. And you found it wanting, it seems. Am I, am I right? Hmm. To say the least, yeah. Uh, what bothered me is they. I keep seeing these reports that constantly keep saying the comic book industry is doing great, uh-huh. sales are up, the uh, you know everything's breaking records, and it's just lies. You know, lies, they lies, act lies. like it's all hunky dory. Uh-huh. Yeah, they act like everything is just hunky dory. But you just scratch the surface, and they're just—they're actually trying to take credit for other people's hard work, and that's what bothers me the most. It's weird, isn't it? Because I mean, just to break it down for listeners, like I mean, any serious comic book comic book fan knows that the DC and Marvel comics aren't selling what they used to. Like it's obvious. Um, mm-hmm. But manga uh, is enormous, uh, and they for some reason try to take credit for it, but there's nothing to do with them. Like, unless they own a piece of it, like, what's the, what's the, what are they taking credit for? You see, what bothers me about that is most comic book stores do not want to carry manga. Really? They hate manga. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Around here, like in Michigan, I can only name one store that has a decent selection of manga. See, here in and Australia, they, decent, they got into it heavy. In Australia, they got into it. Like, Kinnikini is a bookstore where I go to all the time, and, and they've got a massive manga. Like, it's only mm-hmm. expanding, like, every month. It's huge. Oh. Yeah. See, that's the difference. The big box stores, they have, like, quadrupled their selection. Mm. But the actual comic book stores, they don't care. They don't care if you come in and you're looking for manga. Oh. They just, they will not carry it. Like I said, out of probably, like, a dozen stores around here, only one has a decent selection. Right. And the others, I mean, I've heard people, they go into comic book stores they're looking for manga. Hmm. There's nothing there, you know? I wonder and they why. know what's... I wonder why, because, uh, like, I would, if I was it, selling, anything that sells is what I would stock, you know? Well, it's like what Chuck was addressing, I think, last month. Hmm. The war comic were out selling superhero comics. Yeah. But they still killed them off, because that's not what they like. Yeah, so That's gotcha. a difference. Yeah, it's they the don't of, like the manga. 
the likes of, uh, you know, favourites of the show like Tom Brevoort and Akira <laughs> Yoshida, um, these two fat clowns um, have done more to, I think, they've, they've driven Marvel Comics into the toilet at the same time that the films are breaking billion-dollar records. Their, their comic books are just flatlined, you know? No. no. <clears throat> it's crazy. I, if you were... If you're one of these uh, Discovery executives, exp- try explaining to them how Aquaman can make a billion dollars, but he can't sell 30,000 books. Yeah. It yeah. makes no sense. Do, you know? do you think, I mean, I, I, I look at it from an outside lens. Like, I wonder if it's a, it's a failure of marketing. And I also think they may have priced themselves out of a certain segment because it's very expensive mm-hmm. to buy. You know, 20 years ago, I was buying... Um, monthly comics, like weekly, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 would, I would get five or six a week, whatever, that come out on the rotation. But that became a very expensive hobby, and I just switched to trades and digital. Um, mm. And I've never looked back, to be honest. Do, do you think partly some of it's the delivery model and the pricing that, that's holding Marvel and DC back? No, if it was quality, people would pay money for it. <clears throat> you think? I mean, that's... It's just that simple. Yeah. But yeah. they have actually gone out of their way to drive people away from the industry. Uh-huh. They actually are now actively insulting their fan base mm. and targeting them. Mm. You know, that's crazy, isn't but it? That's true. A lot of finger pointing goes on. I know what you mm-hmm. mean. You're talking about how they, um, what, what's it called? Comicsgate? Like they're always like slamming people. Yeah, like, yes. but, but like, it's a very nebulous term and, um, you know, everything, we all know how PC-ified they've tried to become, and it's a bit sickening, to, to be honest. Like, you, in your email, though, you what you pointed to was really damning. The only Western comic books that were, like, up there were the, like, seminal, like, Watchmen, Sandman, like, the kind of stuff that's just so fucking obvious, you know? That, that was really embarrassing once I got to that. Yeah, because they actually split up the, the sales for manga non-superhero and superhero mm. and superhero graphic novels are actually selling the least of the three yeah, yeah. i mean you're literally losing out to uh mr sulu in his comic oh, Jesus. George <laughs> Takai, yeah Takai is out selling you i mean that says everything you need to know his comic's probably just him bitching about shatner uh <laughs> and... got, well, no uh, i'll give him this it was him bitching about uh being put in a concentration camp. <laughs> oh, the Japanese internment camps in World War Two, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so that might be an interesting read, but yeah. no, that's outside it. On um, Babysitters Club, they're out selling superhero comics. <laughs> I mean, it is. But it's like, embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Like, but I just find it also weird. Like, because to me. Uh, like superheroes haven't gone away. Like we all can complain about fatigue, but they still are making decent money at the box office. And Batman's as big as he's ever been. Um, you know, mm-hmm. various other characters have come to the forefront. You know, like the Iron Man's, plenty of Marvel characters. Although I do think they're hitting that point at Marvel Studios where they need to do a bit of a reset. But I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I guess, I'm just confused as to how. If I'm looking at it, if it was my business, and I see One Arm's doing so well, uh, I would think cost, and I would also think they should be doing more to get 
the comics in the hands of the kids who are actually going to the cinema. So I said, when one of the Avengers movies came out, and I forget which one, but let, for sake of argument, let's say it was Civil War, okay? Or um, I said, well, why, when that came out, why didn't they, at the same time they relaunched Avengers with Jason Aaron, why didn't they include like a free digital copy of that comic book with the price of a ticket? Something like that. You know, like, I just feel that marketing-wise, there's there's ways to at least try to entice people. Because comics are like a drug. If you can get the kid addicted, they're, they're sort of hooked, you know, like, if they're done well. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you think some of it's... Yeah, quality's one thing, but back in the 80s, the, the comics were on this crappy paper, man. Like, really shit paper. And, you know, like, the, the stories are cool, and it looks all great reprinted now, but at the time, it, it, it felt very almost throwaway, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You'd read a comic, and you were just like, it wasn't presented like it was something you would treasure and keep on your shelf. It was very sort of like bad quality paper, at least until the mid-'80s. So I'm just... Yeah. I'm just but they were also a lot cheaper, so, I'm, so you didn't feel like it was costing you a bundle. I, I just feel like... A comic book here in Australia can run you close to 10 Australian dollars to get a monthly comic. Close, you know? And some are more than that. So do, do you know what I mean? Like, do you think that's part of it? it partially? Now, look, here's a manga here. Mm-hmm. This just came out. Volume 36. This is $10. Okay. Boom. And how, thick, right. how thick is it's it? About, oh, yeah, so it's pretty thick. Yeah. It's about 200 pages. Now, it's all black and white. Yep. But it's serialized. It's interesting. It, you know, you get invested in these characters. This is volume 36. Mm-hmm. What American comic has made it to issue 36 lately? Not many. Almost none of them. Yeah, almost none. Yeah. Meanwhile, One Piece has cleared 100 volumes. I mean, that's been going since like 97. But, so, so what has I mean, changed just, in the market? Just, so... In the 80s, I bought my first Iron Man. It was my first comic I bought with my own money. And it was Iron Man. It was probably like, two, let's say it was 231. You know, it was some random number. And I must admit, as a kid, as a, as a kid buying my first comic book, I was like, wow, I really want to go back and read them from the beginning because I assumed it was like a book where they all, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like chapter one, two, three, four. Like in my youthful mind, that's what I imagined. Um but I didn't do that, and I just got into it, and within about two or three issues, I was hooked on Iron Man and read Iron Man for a couple of years. Like, so what has changed from then when they just did that, where they expect you to come in, the writer was able to get you sort of grounded and get you going. Within one or two issues, you were sort of in the swing. Like, so why mm-hmm. now do they just reboot, reboot, reboot? Because I, I find it kills my interest when they're just doing that every 12 issues. Um, well, when I was going through my very long essay, um, I found out they are the worst example of following the 80-20 rule I've ever seen. Mm. Now, basically the 80-20 rule, when they apply it to economics, is a theory that 80% of your profits come from 20% of your consumer base. Okay. Okay. So like, you're part of that 20%. You're the guy that's going to buy the statues. You're going to buy the hardcovers. Sure. You're going to buy... Um, you know, doomsday clock three different ways without even reading it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I've done, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> a casual fan is not going to do that. Casual fan, if they go and see, oh, hey, here's Captain America, they may pick up a book. Yeah. They're only making money off of a couple books, you know, every now and then, whereas the 20%, that crazed fanatic group, 
Sure. They're going to spend a lot. And they're going to just yeah. basically what they did is they decided we're going to focus on the 20%. We're going to ignore the other ones and everybody else. So what they did is in the early 80s, they created the direct market. Mm. And that's a.k.a. the comic book store. <clears throat> and that made the comic book industry made it easier for them to cater to their 20%. And the 20% only liked superheroes. Right. That's what Chuck was talking about last time. Yeah. All four comics, their DC was churning out five different titles and they were all selling great. Yeah. But then the comic book fans, the part of that 20%, and they decided we're going to put everything behind superheroes. Mm. And they just killed the they killed the westerns, they killed the war comics, they killed the romance comics. Yeah. They killed all the titles that were aimed at little kids. They only wanted to focus on the twenty percent. Yeah. I get and, you. Uh, That's a shame though, because like I yeah. remember when I was a kid, like even before I was really reading the comics, there was a lot more like at the newsstand, forget about a comic book store. I didn't hit a comic book store till I was like about thirteen, fourteen. The newsstand, there was, I, I do recall, there was like war comic, like the last days of war comics and that kind of stuff. And you are right, it's sort of, when I went to a comic book store the first time, my eyes were a goggle, you know, at the sheer quantity of stuff. And it was all superheroes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But like, don't they also say that the um, one of the reasons the newsstand turned away from it was because... Um, the space it took up, it wasn't as profitable. Like, they could turn that space... That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they've said. Yeah, I think they said part of the DC implosion was the comics were priced too low. Right. And they could sell a magazine in that spot. Mm. So the one good thing about the comic book store being created is it would allow these companies to expand and they could sell stuff they couldn't on the newsstand. Mm. Like Eclipse and Vertigo, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I and, know, like yeah. uh, the Legion of Superheroes and the New Teen Titans, they are actually printed on that really high quality Baxter paper. I remember it. if you yeah. ever get a copy, yeah, I think that was direct market only. Whereas the uh, newsstand, they would get the reprints like a year or something later. Right. It's interesting. So, so that's they... why they changed with both the Titans and the Legion. They'll eventually transition to. Tales of the Legion or Tales of the Titans. Yeah. And that's what that, those were the reprint ones. I see. And so it's weird because, like, it was this big success story, but then it's sort of, it's almost like they nicheified themselves a lot. Like, they really went into a niche. And unfortunately, what happens is audiences age out as well. They don't seem to take that into account. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of people stop reading comics, like at least when I was, you know, when they hit their sort of late teens, tons of people drop the habit, you know, tons. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then it's like, there's a percentage of addicts like myself. Um, and when you get more disposable income, then you're like, sweet. Now I can really, I, I love all the reprints of stuff, like more than much more than the modern stuff. But, like, when I say reprints, like, all the Batman stuff they put out, I'm looking at my shelves, there's a lot of shit going on here. But, you know, there are plenty of Batman, plenty of Superman. I've just built up my Flash collection. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm thinking that, like, that, that audience that ages, they want a certain thing as well. They don't, they don't actually want 
you know, PCified, like junior Marvel teams and all this shit. Like, you know what I mean? So the, the, the actual audience has different tastes. And I sometimes think, in my opinion, if I was running it, I would have, like, firstly, I would try to solve their fucking price problem. Then I would also expand diverse to truly mean diverse. So it catered on more than one customer base. Because it feels like now yeah. they, they're chasing... It's weird. Their reprints, they're definitely chasing an older crowd. Definitely. All, all their omnibuses and that. They're, they're, that's chasing an older crowd with cash. Their younger thing seems to be more just hidden hope. They're just like, let's just pray that the kids buy into this shit. I, I think the newer stuff, they basically work themselves into a corner. Because when you say Wolverine's now a woman, Thor's now a woman... How do you walk that back without looking like a misogynist pig? <laughs> yeah. Because that's their thing. Everything was a box checker. We have to have so many gays, so many... Basically, any popular character they had, they had to change it to someone else. Mm. You turn the Hulk to Amadeus Cho. Right. You turn you know, Thor to Jane Foster. You know, your favorite Iron uh, Ironheart. Yeah, she sucks. <laughs> Now that one, that was the straw that broke the camel's back because uh-huh. that's when I started noticing the liberal media started calling them out for the hypocrisy. Right. They were saying, I remember MTV had one. It was uh, Marvel makes Iron Man a black woman. Too bad they don't hire one. Right. Oops. Turns out they didn't have any black women on staff. Right. So yeah. Boy, they find they just first person in a crowd. Here, you're writing Black Panther now. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's, it's kind of sad, yeah. like, really. I mean, but, but like, I mean, I do believe that, like, in all honesty, that having a more diverse creative stuff is fine, but it feels like that they've really gone, to me, from what I, from what I see, they've gone pretty heavily into that, into that arena, into that space, and maybe there needs to be more balancing going on. I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. See, I, I think what happened is the industry reflects the audience. And like mm. I said, they focused on that 20% back in the 80s. Sure. They drove away all the females. Mm. They drove away the older people. They drove everyone away. Mm. If you look around that time in the 80s, they only focused on the superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah. They did away with Little Lulu and Casper. The war comics were Casper. gone. The westerns were gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kids, little girls would go in there and they'd buy Casper. Oh, I, I, remember, yeah, I remember Casper comics. Yeah, I remember yeah. from the early 80s. Yeah, for sure. He was big. Uh, and then they had romance comics when the girls got older. Mm. You know, Marvel had a long... They had, they had Jack Kirby doing romance comics. Actually, Jack Kirby created the romance comic industry. Really? Little known fact. So yep, I wonder, then, uh, in the eighties, were the sales on those things declining? I I, I don't know. I, I'm wondering because you wouldn't kill it if it wasn't if it wasn't declining. It wouldn't make sense as a business. Well, I think the, the here's here's what I found out: the universal truth: only men go into comic book stores. Right. That's just it. I mean, if you look at general bookstores, you have a mixed variety of people you know they have to appeal to everyone sure uh the used bookstores i noticed they kind of swing towards you know romance readers um comic book stores they only focus on the men 
Yeah. And men want the superheroes. They don't want to carry Archie. They don't want to carry kid books. They don't sure. want to carry anything that appeals to anyone else. Right. So when you end up with an industry that's dominated by white guys who only like superheroes, you designed it like that. Yeah. You actually stopped printing anything that would appeal to anyone else. Yeah. You know, like I said, westerns, the war comics, romance. Uh, Archie, the only reason Archie stayed relevant is because Tom DeFalco made the Digest. Right, really? We love Tom DeFalco. The digest? Yeah. I got some questions for him, too. I'll, wait, Tom's going to come back on, actually, so we'll, we'll get your questions for that. Yeah, good stuff. Archie, 75th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, you could buy that at a supermarket checkout. This is probably $7. What do you think? I, I think it's great. Now, here's my question, because that is a great idea, and I've seen that kind of stuff uh, in the supermarkets. Mm. Why can't that model be done for the superheroes, considering how popular they are right now in the films? I would have thought that that's a no-brainer. See, now they tried it. They actually had Archie print reprints of some of their top titles, like Thor, Avengers, Spider-Man, when they were popular. Right. problem is the only people that sold them were the comic book stores. So again, oh no, it needs to go to a supermarket. Like it needs to be at a supermarket. Yeah, I did not see a single one at a supermarket. Oh, well, no drugstores. No. Yeah. Only at so yeah, it's like if you're not going to actually sell it to people outside of the comic book store, then why bother? Yeah, you I know? mean, I go back to I think when I was a kid or when I was a student with very little money. When I, when I, but I had some disposable income. When I went to buy a comic book, I, I seriously, how big it was, was a massive factor. You know, the more bang I could get for my buck, the better kind of thing. That was one big part of my strategy. That's how I even got into Justice League because I'm like, well, seriously, I'm buying one book with all these different heroes. I'm getting more value. Now, that might not be true, but it made sense in my mind. And so if, if I saw a diet, like I remember. I saw Return of Superman. It wasn't an omnibus. It was a soft cover, but it was a thick soft cover. It was probably about as thick as that Archie. And it was a decent price mm -hmm. wherever I saw it, and I just grabbed it. So I think if you price it down a bit and give it a bit more content and probably, you know, whatever paper that Archie stuff's printed on, to me, that's a no-brainer because then it's in the supermarkets and then it's, that's when parents might pick it up for their kids because the kids are like, we like Thor because of fucking Thor Love and Thunder or... Whatever, you yeah. know, like, I, I mean, I don't feel like these ideas are revolutionary. I'm sure it's discussed, but it never seems to be implemented at Marvel or DC. Do you, in your research, like, why is that? Like, why are Marvel or DC so averse to experimenting? Mm, I think they've just been doing the same thing for so long, they don't know what else to do. They've only focused on that 20%. Yeah. So they, till this day, like when they come out with Moon Knight, mm. they don't have an affordable Moon Knight trade paperback on the shelf. They have a $45 Epic collection. Yeah. A casual fan is not going to walk into a bookstore and say, oh, hey, yeah, $50 book. Yeah, I'll try this out. Yeah. No, they're not going to do that. You but know, they I, don't have anything. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, that is decent value for a modern comic book, though. Those epic collections, like you know, if you judge that against the monthly comics, which I think are a huge ripoff, those epic collections mm. at least see those epic collections. They probably price too high, but they're the kind of size that if I was uh, sort of a, a 
not just totally casual, but not totally committed. If I was in that grey space, that'd be the kind of thing that would attract me. They're probably priced a bit too mm-hmm. high, but if you could bring that price down a bit, they're about the right size, in my opinion. See, they know that people like you, that's all you're buying right now. You yeah. stop buying the weekly comics. Oh, that's yeah. why they jacked up the price. Yeah. The Epic collections were like 25 bucks, 30 right. Now they're all 45 Yeah. I saw the... Um, the Carrie Bates Flash that you did on the show a few yes, months ago. Yes, Death of Iris that, West. Yeah, it was like maybe seven or eight issues in there. They wanted $45. Yeah, I bought it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pathetic. Um, uh, but I think I got a good deal on Amazon, though. That's the other thing I want to mention. Okay, so look, everyone knows I have no scruples. I have no loyalties. Like, let the world fucking burn. Like, I'm not, I don't give a, that much of a fuck about their problems. Like... At the end of the day, I go to Amazon. I get the best deal I can, wherever. I, I, I'm Scrooge McDuck. I'm, I'm like, fuck them. Like, how many people have just abandoned these comic book stores? Because, like, in Australia, they're charging you, you often more than 20 bucks more for something I can just order on Amazon with free shipping. You know, and I just decided to buy it on Amazon and just get it delivered. Um, oh. So surely Amazon have killed a certain segment of the comic store audience. Do you think? Well, they certainly killed the digital comic audience. <laughs> yeah. They killed that last year. Oh my gosh. They destroyed that one. When they sort of no, shuttered that... comicsology. You're talking about? Oh yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Okay. That's a whole segment. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think about Amazon as a competitor? Have they ripped the heart out of the direct market? Uh, no, I don't think Amazon's a very good company. I think they are basically Walmart on steroids. Yeah. And Walmart was always accused of going into a small town, having such low prices, they could force everyone out, and then they jacked up the prices. Mm. That's what you're going to see with Amazon. Right now, they got all those great free returns. Yeah. They got free shipping. Mm. They're waiting completely annihilate the competition and you watch all that's yeah. going to disappear yeah that will suck but hey you make hay while the going's good i say i've i've stocked up while the going's good you know my uh, i'm pretty proud of my flash omnibus collection I'm gonna have a whole flash <laughs> at our new place uh michael which we've just been moving into i mean i have a whole flash shelf i'm pretty happy with myself i've got about three batman shelves but just one flash shelf you know what it's just, where do you stand on Carrie Bates' Flash? Because Adam and the computer and myself debate this almost daily. Have you read any Flash? Are you a Flash fan? I only read his Legion. He was, his Legion was great, I think. Yeah. I, I think no, Carrie I Bates is Flash. fantastic. Yeah, Flash is... I tell you what, uh, in Flashback, because I used to just give Flash so much shit. I used to just constantly pay out on Flash just whenever I had the opportunity. And then Adam sort of said, let's do some on flashbacks. I said, fine, let's do it. We've done Mark Wade's run, which is pretty good, actually, I have to admit. And it gets better as it goes along. But I'm reading Carrie Bates' Flash at the same time, sort of like I read it at night before I go to sleep. I'm loving it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm like the only man in the world who seems to remember it. Carrie Bates, unfortunately, is like a recluse. You can't get hold of him because I'd love to get him on signal. Was he still alive? Oh, wow. He's alive, man. He's alive. He's hiding out in the hills somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure if Adam were on the show, he'd point out that Carrie Bates is great for helping you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we've had Elliot, Elliot S. Magadon, and he's going to come back. 
Uh, and yeah, he's like close buddies with Kerry Bates. And yeah, I think I think Kerry Bates is he's pretty much retired and just doesn't want to have to you know put up with my squawkings, yeah. which I don't blame him really. You know, um, so where were we? So yeah, I, I, Amazon. I hear your point. They, they want to become a total monopoly, and then they'll rise the price. That's probably what will happen. So that he can fund his bullshit space program or whatever he wants to do, you know, and take over the world. Like, you know, please go to Mars and stay he there. He does look like he looks like the poor man's Bond villain. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got like one eye that's shooting off in one direction. Yeah, yeah. he's got that lazy eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. pretty funny. Now, turning to digital. Now, I am a big digital reader. I read a lot on digital. I read a lot on my iPad, um, primarily because of traveling to work and back. I read a lot for the show on the train. But mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I am a big digital reader. I got converted about 10 or 15 years ago. Um, one of my friends worked at Comixology, um, no longer does. But, like, I got into it, and I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Now, for me, I must admit, I still take advantage of Amazon's digital sales, but not so much anymore because I took advantage of the Comixology one so much. Um what has happened to the digital... I think you're pointing in your essay saying that the digital market has just kind of not grown. It's collapsed. Oh, yeah. Digital is completely dead. Wow. Um, the sales figures on the digital comics are... You know, they like to keep them very secret. Yeah. Do you have to remember this? In business, success is replicated and duplicated. Mm. Okay? Whenever they have something popular, everyone copies it. Sure. Everyone duplicates it. You know, like when Batman Who Laughs was popular, oh, yeah. spam the world. You know, you couldn't get and you see that, that shit. Yeah, Black Panther's popular. All of a sudden, he's got like three monthly titles. Mm. If it was truly popular, they would be milking it to high heaven. But basically, yeah, they would be expanding their platforms if the digital comics were popular. Instead, they're actually shutting them down. And I remember I wrote to you that IDW, Dark Horse, and Archie all shut down their digital platforms. And the fans were just out. No refunds. That's bullshit. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't think it with Comicology. The users got a sorry. Yeah. Okay, so they went under. Marvel, they had a PC version of their reader. Yeah. They shut that down. Yeah. DC shut down their, their PC site and their app. Yeah. And unless you synced with Comicology, you're out. They've still got that you know, DC, it, whatever it's called, Unlimited or something. Um, I never use it, uh, ever. Uh, like, what's it called? DC. It is Marvel Unlimited, which I fucking barely ever use. And I'm actually not going to renew my subscription because I never, ever use it. And there's a DC one <laughs> as well. I forget what it's I think it's uh, called DC Infinite. Um, I already... <laughs> and it's... it's uh, Look, I mean, it's a decent service. Like, it's got all the stuff on there. But I, I, I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know how well it's actually, you know, I don't know the, the uptick of it, like how well it's doing. You don't hear much about it. Yeah. Well, I, well, I like to point at Comicology. Now, see, this This is the hot take. You're only going to hear on Signal and Doom. Sure. Amazon shut Comicology down. Comicology does not exist. You can find an app called Comicology, and you can go on Amazon to find the section that says Comicology. Yeah. Comicology does not exist. Right. That was the number one digital platform, sure. and they just killed it. I mean, you were reporting on the show. Mm. 
they did not listen to the beta testers. They didn't listen to the fans. Sure. People have been complaining for the past, I think, I think they changed it about a year ago. Mm. Yeah. Just uh, you go on Google Play and you look at the ratings, they're all one, two. Yeah. It's all people swearing them off. They'll never buy another digital comic again. Yeah. So you can just use your deductive reasoning. You have thousands of fans saying they hate your site now. They're not going to use it. Or they actually got their libraries erased. A lot of people have been saying that. That's um, crazy. It's, it's such a shame because... I, I think reading on the iPads a really good experience. Like I, I don't what why is it just been it's just Amazon kind of screwed it up. They made it really hard to find stuff. Because Amazon is still a business and the comicology site was probably too expensive to run. Yeah. The profits were too low and they just shoved it off into their Kindle. Yeah. Well that's I true. mean, if you download comicology right now, it's just you're reading off of Kindle. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They, <clears throat> so that that's a fairly bleak picture you're painting there because um if if the stores are struggling if they're not at mm. supermarkets and their digital kind of market has collapsed or the digital system um it doesn't leave a lot of options you know i mean you know only so many well, people are going to have uncle timmy's comic book collection you know yeah well they dug that hole for themselves a long time ago like I said, they back in the the nineties, they were selling those million dollar books. Sure. You know, X Force, Chuck's yeah. Warzone, yes. Spider Man, you know, all the Batman and Superman books. You God, know, oh, man, I they, wish I wish Punisher Warzone was back with Chuck Dixon fucking doing it. And <laughs> oh, please, like if I could have one thing back, if they were like, Dave, we're gonna make you happy. We're gonna put Chuck Dixon. And who is the artist? Was it John Romita Jr.? I think it was. John Romita Jr., yeah. Put those two back on Punisher. That would solve a lot of fucking problems as far as I was concerned. But they don't, though. They're like, they sort of like, um, who was doing Punisher recently? It's like Jason Aaron, I think, and the one where he's a ninja or something, you know. Jason Aaron. Oh, my gosh. See, I I like Jason Aaron, but he he does have some misses. Like, his Avengers run, for me, is a miss. (laughs) But, um... There's other stuff. Like, Jason, yeah. right down there next to Kevin Smith. Wow. Have you read Scalped? His Scalped is pretty good. Have you read Scalped? No. I read enough Jason Aaron to know I don't like him. Fair enough. Man. Fair enough. Oh, it was funny, though. I was I was reading his Thor. Yes. And someone wrote into the letter column saying how embarrassing it was uh. for them to tell their fa- uh, to tell their friends that Aquaman was actually better than Thor. <laughs> and they printed that. And I'm like, okay. So I looked, and Jeff Johns' Aquaman was better than Thor. I'm like, oh my gosh, they yeah. shouldn't have printed that letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually funny. Look, I, I liked his run, the, the probably the first half of his run, but it really fell off a cliff when they brought Jane Foster in. It fell off a complete cliff. Um, I don't know. I, I read a fair chunk of it, but it wasn't. Yeah, his, that's know. that's the confusing one why they constantly will replace their characters when they're at the you know the the most public exposure yeah. they've ever got I they're don't at get the it. most popular you know it just doesn't make sense no I, just, I i actually they, don't understand it and i don't think that they're convincing when they because they're always like oh we, we we're not connected to the movies we do our own experimental bullshit it's like yeah and it sucks like you know people don't want yeah 
fucking Lady Thor roaming around for eons while Thor's dominating. Like, like nobody wants it. Like, you're forcing it down people's throats. Um, but it's like people don't want to buy Iron Man and find it's not Iron Man, it's Iron Heart. Like, that's annoying to people, you know? Like, yeah, if you were to go, if you were to see Iron Man and you went to buy a comic, it was either Doctor Doom or Ironheart. Yeah, I'm that doesn't make sense. Both, both wrong. And I love Doctor Doom, but like, I don't want Doctor Doom being Iron Man in the Iron Man comic. Mm-hmm. Like, not when the Iron Man stuff was so big and Robert Downey Jr. was crushing it. Like, I remember when um, Matt Fraction was on Iron Man, it was right around the time of the first couple of movies, and it was fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. It was great. Like they they got it right, but then somewhere along the way, I think what's happened, um, Michael, is they've guzzled their own Kool Aid a, a bit too much. Like when I hear Brevoort talk, I hear the I don't hear the sound of a guy who has his finger on the pulse. He's believing his own mm. hype. You know what I mean? He's 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 in love with his own reflection, kind of thing. These are the same guys that were running the companies back in the nineties. You have to remember, Brevoort was there, Quasada was there. Uh, all those same guys that are running the companies right now, Jim Lee, yeah. they were all from the 90s. And the 90s, they went all in trying to pander to that 20% of the market. And that's when you got all those gimmicky covers. Yeah. Because everything sold. Everything from Image sold. Yeah. You know, you had the shiny covers, the fold-out covers, glow-in-the-dark covers, rub-the-blood covers. Remember that one? Is that a real thing? Was there blood on it? Uh, I want to say it was Blood Strike or yeah, Blood, blood Something. Blood it was from Liefeld, because yeah. of course it was. And it was, yeah, you could rub the blood. <laughs> Whatever the hell that meant. And, and <laughs> like, you know, as a marketing gimmick, I don't, you know, I'm like, that's cool. It's a marketing gimmick. That's, that's it, I mean, it is what it is. It's a mm. marketing gimmick. But uh, you put in your, um, in your email that really interesting thing that when a store wants to get access to some of the really exclusive variants, they have to order a certain amount of the, you know, like you said, like say they have to order like a thousand King Spawns to get this ultra exclusive King yeah. Spawn variant that they can then flip at high price to a collector or an eBay or wherever. And so it's a really false yep. economy that's built up. It's really interesting and, any store owner would be would like any any decent store owner would would t- would understand it fully, but it's it's great that you've got that perspective because that that's a weird economy. Because what do you then do with your thousand issues of King Spawn? Because I don't imagine there are a thousand people like in your local area who want that comic. You know, I walked into a store and I saw I swear like five or six boxes of King Spawn number one, and I thought, why? Yeah. Who's going to buy it? <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the money. So here I'm going to skip ahead to the money section. Um, okay, so I wrote, if the industry is doing so well today, why did they sell more comics in the 1940s? The average print run for Superman, Batman, and Captain Marvel were a million each month. And the comic books were basically used as the war propaganda. If you ever read the Golden yeah. Age, yeah, yeah. it's all about fighting Nazis, fascists, and the Japanese. Good. Good. You know? It was the fucking war was on. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah. You well, had I mean, Captain America with the machine was... guns and stuff. Oh yeah. Let's see. So I've um, got a question. See, I've got. A, was... I've got a question. Could part of the reason? Oh, oh look. Obviously, it was a different time. There was less stuff happening for kids. But wasn't a comic like a nickel or something? Like a comic was super cheap. Right. 
10 cents or something. Yeah, they were cheaper. But so see, that's, that's when you had, it, that, you had that um, infrastructure. You have the newsstands. You had bookstores. You had bookstores all over the place. Sure. And they would stock with comic books. And they would try to get little kids. They wanted their dimes and nickels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. <clears throat> now, I noticed, like, after the war ended, that's when they started the purge on the comic books. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I forgot what they called it, but that's when they instituted the comic code. Yeah, like, the, like it's, and, it's uh, like their version of the Red Scare. It's like the seduction of yeah. Venus and all that shit. Yeah, and because of superheroes, they're always so tied in with basically war propaganda. Yeah. That all went into decline, but they still had the westerns, they had, like, the funny animal comics, monster comics, romance... You know, even religious comics. You can see on eBay, there's like a lot of Catholic comics. Of course they focus on saints. Yeah, because that was a market. Yeah. So now on Comic Cron, they had some interesting numbers they put up. Um, 1969, they used the United States Postal Service subscription rates to figure out, kind of get an idea how much these things were selling. Because when you sell a magazine, you have to actually, you know, go through like, paperwork with the post office and things like that yeah. apparently they still have some uh, apparently the top six comics in 1969 were archie superman superboy lois lane mm. betty and veronica mm. and action and just wow. through the mail she sold half a million copies right that's just postal ones that doesn't so include is that the you know top, the, they're the top comics of 1969 is that right isn't Our it funny? Super- isn't it? I've seen something similar to this. Isn't it funny that what you know? There's no Marvel there, like because the whole thing is Marvel changed the game in the sixties and stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting that there's no Spider Man because yeah. I would have thought Spider Man would be up there. You know? Ah, uh, let me look. It's just interesting. It just shows you that Superman still was pretty dominant. He was probably just holding on. He definitely lost ground in the seventies, Superman. Unfortunately. Much though I love him yeah. in the seventies, um, yeah, it's interesting. So Batman yeah, looking wasn't at even it up now. There. Uh, Batman, well, they had the world's What's world's fine? finest. That was eight. Batman was nine. Okay. Then you had Adventures. Then you had Archie. Uh, Fantastic Four was twelve. That averaged about three hundred and forty thousand copies. Then you had more Archie. Archie, Disney, Archie. <laughs> then you had Thor. Thor is number two for Marvel. That's number 17. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Thor was like, you wouldn't think Thor would be. But there you go. It's always it's always fascinating to peek behind the blinders. But the whole, you remember the whole thing, like Stanley went to campuses and yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. Um, but I guess there was kind of like a, a tier below that where Marvel was probably starting to dominate because they certainly came to dominate, I think, in the 70s. Um, that's super interesting, man. Like, But now that they would kill somebody's mother to get those numbers back. Uh, I, I, I really oh. believe that those numbers are never coming back, though. Like, I just don't yeah. think that their business model even would allow it, you know? Oh, no, not now. I mean, out of that top 53 on that 1969 list, mm. none of them sold lower than 130,000 copies. Yeah. And again, that's only through the Postal Service. Right. And in the 90s even, I, I think I've heard that if a book was selling under 100,000, it was pretty much ripe for cancellation. 
that was like a cutoff mm-hmm. point in the nineties. You know, like, um, oh. yeah. I, I mean, I just wonder what I, what I've heard, and I want to get your perspective on this. What I have heard is the reason that Marvel and DC haven't adjusted their business model is because they're so reliant. The the comic book stores and them have this weird symbiotic relationship. Like, if they change their model, the comic book stores could just be wiped out, and they're sort of scared to change the model. That's why they keep their their digital prices very close to the in store price. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of a weird, there's a weird sort of false economy that it's all built. It feels like it's built on a house of cards kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take a look at this 1969 list, and it's actual diverse titles. You yeah. have, um, I'm looking at Little Dot and Little Lotta and Madhouse, and they have war comics. The comic book stores only want to sell you that one flavor. Yeah. They only want to sell you the superheroes. And they if haven't, you they haven't moved? Off, they haven't changed now? Because I would have thought now that they're like, well, fuck, their superhero comics aren't selling. I, I think it's they found they can survive if they get a certain like 30,000 people, 30,000 yeah. orders, I say, not actual people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People aren't actually saying these things. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. But, they, they've got some, like, there's always the story of that one guy who buys everything that's coming out in a week. And I'm always like, that guy's a fucking idiot and he's got too much money. Oh, yeah. There, there's some idiots because it's Ford country over here. There's a lot of those executives that work at Ford. Yeah. They do that. And one day they find out they got laid off. Then they go to the comic store. Hey, you want to buy my collection back? <laughs> the same crap they just sold them. They don't have any money, you know? Right. Really? So they, they go in and yeah. really, so they just go in and they just take it back. Oh yeah. You will find comic book stores right now. If you want to go through their dollar bins and stuff like that, this is the best time because yeah. you got guys with these big collections their kids don't give a crap. Yeah. They lose their job or they need to retire or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They will just sell it on the dollar. Wow. Yeah. Because what do they, I've heard a couple times people with million dollar collections, really? kids could not care less. Yeah. 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 Well, it's them off now. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, is, is there not a market out there on eBay? I would have thought on eBay that would be the way to go. But I guess maybe they don't want the hassle, you know? I, uh, well, yeah, obviously, they don't want the hassle. It's, that, it, that takes a lot. Yeah. A lot of time, a lot of effort. So in but. your in your email, you were making mention of, like, in the comic book stores now, they really diversify into, like, toys, training guards, mm. uh, role-playing. There's a lot of different sort of things that they try to have a sort of everything's overpriced though i always find like whenever they do that they always price it all up really high and i'm always like who's paying these inflated prices i could get this shit off amazon for a lot cheaper you know that's always what i think yeah i walked into a comic store a couple weeks ago and i would swear half of it are funko pops yeah that's it funko those little stupid things i hate those I've got I've got about four, but like I, I I've never got into it. I've got a, I've got a Deadpool one in a robe and a couple of other ones, but that's about it. You know, I got one of Thanos, and I actually opened it because you'll yeah. notice on the boxes that this is not a toy. You open it, head falls off. <laughs> right, it's not a toy. What 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 is it if it's not a toy? Yeah, it's right there. It's the adult collectible, Dave. Right, right okay. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm looking at one right now. Ugh. 
Adult collectible, not a toy. Here, I'll see. Whoop. That's pretty funny. That adult collectible. Yeah. Not a toy. Wow. Ages fourteen. Yeah. Because they know they're selling people just little plastic statues for an inflated amount. They yeah. don't have to care about quality. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not gonna open. <laughs> yeah. You know that's like the same mentality behind those those omnibus. You know those gigantic omnibus are like five yeah. inches thick. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. plenty of them. paper statues. Paper statues. Most people are never going to open and read those because how can you? The thing weighs like 50 pounds. They are a challenge. I do do it, but you have to set yourself up correctly, use appropriate cushions, and there's a whole technique to it. But, yes, I agree. They, they're fantastic to get. They're fantastic to get. I love them. I'm addicted to them. But I'm very choosy about what I get because you are right. You 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 know when we're moving now, I'm going to shed parts of my collection that I just don't, I I don't have any interest in reading. You know, mm. there's there's bits and pieces of my collection okay. that I'm just like yeah, I'm just going to shed. But but like I went into a store, it was like called Mysterious Realms or something in Hawaii when we we're over there, and I thought that they did a really good job. They had a big comic book section, they had a big big role playing section. And they also had role play game rooms, like where people could go in and play D and D and stuff. Like they they very clearly had gone into the trading cards and the role playing, and still had a pretty decent sized comic book collection um, on the shelves, which was pretty good. Whereas here in Australia, one of the best comic book stores in Sydney, King's Comics, now has just kind of more of a, it's not a pop up store, but it's much more of a promotional store, and a lot of their stock is just back at the warehouse, and they focus on online. So they sort of switch their mm. business model a lot, um, whereas they used to have a really big store. They've sort of changed their model. Yeah. So it's it's you know di- different. I mean these these businesses still have to pay rent, you know, and they have to make money somehow. So it's interesting to see how that they um, survive. Have you seen a lot of comic book stores close in your area? Uh, th- quite a few have started to close. Or like what you said, they had to diversify. Mm. Basically, if you're not selling magic cards or tabletop or, you know, toys, then you're probably not in business anymore. Mm. Because you go into some of these and at least half the store are toys or, Mm. you know, whatever. And the people that come in, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at the magic cards. They're looking at the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They're looking at the Pokemon. No one's looking at the comics. Right. No one really cares. Yeah. They're happy to sell a couple key issues that they got off of some schmuck. They're happy to sell that online for eBay. They'll make money off that. Yeah. But what brings people into the store is everything but comics. Mm. Yeah. But uh, one trend I've noticed here in Michigan, comic stores that stop selling weekly comics. Yeah. They stay open, but they just stop selling. Because some of them were saying they were barely even breaking even. Mm. or they just do it out of like nostalgia or they oh i like the industry so they would just you know basically sell at a loss but then i think they just basically like hell yeah i don't care anymore (laughs) well yeah i mean if you're running a business it's a business like you can't afford just to continually run at a loss like um but i can so you're saying so like i understand that some stores just go no more weekly comics i'm just going to do trades kind of thing um, they do trades or they do like, you know, if they buy a collection, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. They just buy old or sell old stuff, buy and sell old stuff yeah. and that's it. 
Well, it it, it kind of makes sense though. Like I don't I don't blame these people. Like they've got to make money, and if the unfortunately if the um, consumers aren't picking up the comics, well, there's really not that much incentive, you know, to order. Uh, like mm-hmm. you know, because it'd be a delicate balancing act. If you're like, how many people are going to buy uh, Spider Man Dark Web? You know, you've got to kind of weigh it up in your head. Well, I've, they know their list. Yeah. This many people buy, you know, the X-Men titles. Let's say they have 120 people who buy that. They have, like, 150 that buy Spider-Man. Then they're like, well, how many are you going to buy Spider-Man Dark Web, which is kind of like a, um, uh, a crossover X-Men Spider-Man thing. They'd have to do the math because it wouldn't be 100%, but it might be 80%, might be 70%, but it's all a bit of a gamble. Like, I think it would be quite a challenging business model, and it would be repeated week after week after week, so it would be interesting. Yeah. Well, what I noticed is around, if you compare the numbers of 2000 to 2011, mm. you can see the transition. That's, that's where they are now, where they used to sell books to the fans, and mm. now they sell it to the retailers. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the top 100 books, according to Diamond in 2000, most of them were X-Men and Justice League, but only 12 of the books were number ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, yes. Number ones. And by 2011, only 11 books were not a number one, a number two, or an event. That's the year, 2011, with the new 52, that they found out they can just make money selling number ones. Yeah. And then by the time people get bored, what do they do? They just relaunch it again. Mm. And I'm looking here, 2015, 2016, the top 11 books are all number one issues. Yeah. And what comes with number one issues are variants. Yes. So they that these retailers they will they will order a lot of copies of something just to get the variants mm-hmm. and that's it because then they can get that graded what what they used to do is they used to get stan lee to write it you know write his name on there or use the auto pen or whatever sure. he did yeah and then they get graded and then they sell it for a thousand dollars that was their business model yeah um so in 2021, the top book was King Small Number One, mm. and that was the best example of retail manipulation I could ever give you. Mm. <clears throat> because King Small Number One, they were like praising it. It sold 480,000 copies. Mm. So you would think, hey, Spawn, he's popular, mm. but he's not. So what happened is, remember I told you I saw like five boxes of unsold yes. King Small Number One comics. Yes. I'm like, why? Why would you order these many copies of Spawn? It's yeah. 2021, for God's sakes. It's not 1991. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a mid, mid to lower T character now. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the, let's be honest. The only reason that Spawn and Savage Dragon are still being printed is because the creators own the company. Yeah. And that's it. You know? Yeah, sure. It's if like, they were yeah. still... Yeah, if they were at DC or Marvel, they would have been canned long Oh, ago. yeah, then McFarlane puts a bit of juice in the tank with Spawn. I mean, you know, like, you know, but it's... You're right. If it wasn't... If he wasn't, like, who he is, that that book would not be mm-hmm. being produced still. Oh, yeah. So, King Spawn, number one, 480,000 copies. Uh-huh. And I found out Todd McFarlane, 
he did a deal with Diamond and CCG that they would offer a super rare variant cover of King Swan number one that was signed and numbered by Todd McFarlane himself. Mm-hmm. But the deal was you had to order 250 <laughs> copies of King Swan number one to get that copy. Wow. Okay. Seems like a lot. But can they? Then you, but but then is the McFarlane thing worth more? Like that they can make up that loss and turn it into a profit. They're hoping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I saw, is I saw one poor guy. He sold it for like six hundred dollars. There's no way he's making his money back. Right. Yeah. You for two hundred and fifty copies of something, and you only sold it for six hundred. And this is a six dollar book. Yeah. Like I'm looking at right live, live on Signal and Doom here. Yeah. Uh, they get a copy on eBay for. Th- Three fifty nine, seven fifty, five hundred. Right. So it's around that five hundred six hundred dollar so, mark, yeah. So which isn't yeah, that, which isn't an incredible amount of money if you've had to spend all this money on the because do they get a discount? They get a discount, don't they, to Marvel and DC? So they're not paying cover price; they're paying whatever they're. They're paying. not paying the cover price. So, no. yeah. It, but King Swan number one was a six dollar issue. So, so they're I getting it for three dollars, and then they're trying to flip it for six. I don't know what the Matthews, maybe yeah, it's more like they're getting it for four. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's a balancing act. I wouldn't want to be a retailer. Good. I wouldn't want to be a retailer because it would do my head in. You'd have to be doing this kind of math all the time. You know? Yeah. I'm looking at sold prices right now um, $270, $280. There's no way they're making their money back. They're just, it's not possible. Well, that was an un- unwise gamble by them, I guess, but they'll hoodwink by McFarlane again. I'm sure it's not the first time McFarlane's put a fast one through. You know? <laughs> He's a businessman. He's a businessman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he did great business. He sold almost half a million copies of a comic that nobody wants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a hustler. I quite like Tom McFarlane, but he's a hustler. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, and I thought it was because yeah. if you look at the cover of King Small Number One, this one out of two hundred and fifty variant, it's numbered one thousand six hundred and ninety-seven, mm. and that's how many suckers he found to buy two hundred and fifty copies of King Small Number One. Yeah, he found sixteen hundred and ninety-seven people who ordered massive amounts of a comic nobody wanted just to get that one yeah and now they're barely selling for anything they're 280 dollars yeah you're not making money back that well i think it's just an example of just how weird the industry is like as a retailer it would be you're operating in a very strange environment did you say in your email that aftershock comics have gone under because i wasn't aware of that oh yeah they just announced bankruptcy I don't think they've officially gone under, but that's yeah, a shame. the end that's is a not. Shame. That's a shame because they were producing some quality content, you know? Just another, uh, uh, you know, um, it's unfortunate because they, you know, they were well-respected. They put out some decent titles and, you know, some creators found some good work there. Now, just turning to something else slightly, I mean, my personal interest in, in the Marvel DC superheroes has declined with their new stuff, but like there's been a real explosion of creator own material, you know, in the last 10 mm-hmm. years, sort of post Walking Dead sort of stuff. Uh, are you reading much of that? And how do you know, do you like that kind of stuff that's being produced? Uh, the only thing I buy consistently is Lady Mechanica by okay. Joe Benitez. Right. That's a selfish thing. Although he did have to go to Image, I think, last year. Yeah. But uh, that's a steampunk thing. Yes. 
where she's got like robotic arms and legs and she's set in like a Victorian era. Right. Uh, almost like a Lara Croft type character, I guess yeah, you could I've, say. I, I know the character. I've I've seen it. So, yeah. but you, but like with all that, those people that went to Image, a lot of sci-fi concepts. You know, freed of the constraints of Marvel and DC, which I think have become very PCified and very safe and kind of boring and stale. <laughs> I, I do think there's been some really interesting stuff that's been done in the last, just creatively. Might not have sold that well, but creatively done in the last 10 to 15 years at the sort of creator-owned places like your Aftershocks, like your Images, et cetera, et cetera, you know? I I think they actually dug their grave deeper because you look at a lot of the creator-owned stuff, it's all for mature adults. It's all profanity and nudity and super violence. Sure. You still have not, you're still appealing to that 20% of the crowd. You still don't have anything that appeals to the wider audience. And it's not really selling because I remember I heard a uh, an interview with Kelly Sue DeConnick. Mm. Now her husband's Matt Fraction, mm. and when they did this interview, they're both like super hot. He just came off Hawkeye, she came off Captain Marvel. Yep. And she's telling how they're doing these image comics, and they're barely making any money off them. They said, yeah. "Yeah, we didn't make any money off them until it came in trade." Yeah. I'm like, you have the hottest creators in the comic industry and you're barely making it and they were and, the, and they it, were at the time super hot commodities oh, yeah, yeah, Siliconic and attraction. Yeah, yeah yeah but he yeah, she is more prolific he he has stopped producing anything like the quantity that he used to produce about fractions output has really declined you know yeah he probably got burnout yeah. or he's just focusing on uh tv or something like oh, yeah Selling it to TVs, yes. It, I think that's that's basically that's the uh, Mark Millar path to success. <laughs> yeah. Put out four issues, hope somebody buys it, make your money there. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely uh, been guilty of that, and uh, you know, has forged that path. <laughs> no, it's interesting. So, what you're saying is they're not taking all their fan base with them, kind of thing. Like the fan base was really there for Iron Man, <laughs> not just for Matt Fraction. So small, yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers that Hawkeye sold. If he can't turn that into image comic sales, then there's something wrong. Mm. Well, actually, you know what? If you go into some of these comic book stores, they only want to cover the superhero, like Marvel, DC, the legacy characters. Yeah. You're lucky to see any image, let alone anyone else. That's why I'm not surprised. The Aftershock. Yeah. This here files for chapter 11, 10 to 50 billion million <laughs> 10 to 50 million in debt right yeah because how many stores were actually going to stock their stuff yeah you know yeah well if they're not stocking it then it's it's doomed to fail unfortunately wowee so you paint yeah, a gloomy picture uh michael it's all, um it's all doom and gloom from you uh today on signal zoom jesus uh well you know what will be will be man i mean unless you're an investor i find it tough to really care that much like, it's, you know, mm. I would have my own plans for a restructure. A lot of my stuff would be based on getting it into supermarkets, getting the price point lower. But they but they do not do that. They never decrease the price point. And they just seem to do the same thing again and again. Marvel and, and DC just go, more Batman, more Batman spinoffs. Um, oh, my gosh. Look at Batman. And, and I love Batman, but, like, the way that they've just really just... 
I don't know, mined it to the nth extent. And I'm just like, I honestly think you could be doing something a bit more adventurous, perhaps. Uh, but I do think that their delivery model could also be a lot better. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot more promotional, free digital stuff, I think, might be an answer as well. But there, there are ways that you could at least try, but they don't seem to try. You know, that's what that's what I noticed. They don't seem to radically change the game ever. Yeah. What they've been doing lately is they've been trying to repackage some of their older stuff. Like, do you remember the uh, the Superman cartoon, the Justice League cartoon? They made all those comics to go along with them. Yes. They are repackaging those to little manga-sized digests, and they are in the kids' section now. That's a good idea. And those are actually affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did the same thing with like Spider, like the old stuff, like the Kirby and the Ditko type stuff. Yeah, they're reaching that to kids at making it affordable. I think it's a bit too late because yeah, maybe. You just, but you know, it's the right. <laughs> it's probably too late, but it's the right philosophy. Like there is something to be said for those digests and for getting content in the hands of the kids at prices where a, a parent isn't going to feel like. It's just crazy because I, I have a cousin who took her kid into the... He, he loves his comics. He loves a couple of characters, I should say. And he went into the comic book store and she couldn't believe the prices, you know? She oh. was like, oh, my God, I did not realise that comics were going to be so expensive and such a niche. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the life of a comic book fan, you know? Oh, yeah. You've got I've seen trades. They'll be half off and they're still too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not worth it. Yeah, no. Well, so what yeah. industries are doing is, um, like the trades, they overprint them. No one buys them. Mm. So what they do is they dump them off on the discount retailers. Yeah. So like, um, remember, I, I think I wrote to you a couple years ago about Ollie's. Yes. Discount. That is like one of their favorite dumping grounds, and you can find great stuff. Like here, I'm going to show you this. Is that gigantic book there? Yeah, Monsters Unleashed. Wow. Yeah, this thing is huge. Mm. Cover price of fifty dollars. Right. I paid eight. Wow. That means they desperately need the room. No one bought this at fifty dollars. Yeah. It was priced too high. It's weird. It's like what two and a half feet tall. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's massive. It, yeah. It. I bought it for eight dollars, which means Ollie's bought it for even less. Mm. Which means Marvel sold it to them at. <laughs> Basically, please just, we'll pay you to get this out of here. Yeah. It reminds and, me of my Wolverine Adamantium collection massive box that I'm still trying to shift. If anyone's interested, contact me on Signal. Um, like, seriously, this thing is like, it's a behemoth. It's totally unreadable. It's way too big for me. It's like, it's almost as big as me. It's, I have the Captain America version. Yeah. yeah the yeah. one in the gigantic box that's like yeah. 35 pounds. Like, did you, yep, like... When I got it, I had, like, I'm an idiot. I had no idea it was going to be so big. And when I went and picked it up, because I ordered it on Amazon, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Like, like, if you have a coffee table, it'll be a good coffee yeah. table book. I didn't have a coffee table at the time. It's been sitting on a shelf uh, for, like, close to 10 years in its box. Um, I've tried to shift it on signal. Uh, no one seems to want to get it. The thing is enormous. Someone wants to pay me yeah. three hundred Australian today. You can come and get it. I'll give it to you for three hundred Australian. Okay, now if you go online, you look up the Captain America ver a version of that. I yeah. think it was the Vibranium yeah, collection. That rings a bell. That was like two hundred, two hundred dollars. I got that at Ollie's for 
35. Yeah, which is great. Like, so that's great that you've got that over there <laughs> I mean, as, a, as a collector, you know? Yeah, I don't know what to do with it either. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I didn't pay $200 for it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, okay. if you get a house in Trinity, you can maybe throw it at them or something. I don't know. Like, uh, um, uh, like Captain America's Mighty Shield, you could throw his vibranium collection. Uh, the, like, they're hefty. you're at your house, home alone or something, you can just fall and brain somebody. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, Michael, I mean, it's interesting. I, I guess it's interesting. And I think the frustrating thing, I think, is so many of us have tried to tackle this problem. We don't have the keys to the kingdom. And those, those that do it, like DC almost seem leaderless, you know, comic section, mm. seem directionless <laughs> and leaderless, and they just focus on churning out Batman. That seems to be their solution to the world's problems. Um, yeah. Marvel, unfortunately, are led by two fools who just, I think, will lead them into the chasm. You know, I just don't see any way for Marvel Comics to... I think eventually what will happen is it will all be re rebought, recapitalized. There'll be a whole different version of how they do all this. It's not sustainable. And I'm not one of those people that's just painting doom because I think that there are ways for the comic book industry to survive, but I do think that it's going to take major change. And that's not something they've embraced. <laughs> Yeah, they thought the movies would bring people in to buy the comics, but it's just not working. Um, like I said, you go to the comic book store, no one's there. Even on Wednesday, that was a big comic day. Yeah. It's just empty. Yeah. You know, I can tell the difference between now and 10 years ago. Yeah. It used to be packed. Yes. Now, if the people there are playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Or they're playing Pokemon, or they're playing, you know, some tabletop game. Yeah. No one's looking at the comics. Nobody cares. And that's why Aftershock's clearing bankruptcy. I mean, Valiant. I mean, Richard will tell you. I mean, they had a really good relaunch. Yeah. And then they hired a bunch of woke snowflakes that ran it in the ground. They're publishing one book. Yeah. One book a which month. Is, which is pathetic. That's it. Yeah, and they oh. got they got Chinese um, capitalization and wanted to produce the movies, and so far they've only done one. Um, that, you remember that? The, yeah. the Chinese financiers came in and paid everyone out. People made money. But then oh, yeah, they, you know. they released it the very week. Everything got shut down for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And Chuck. look, but, but there are, there is IP there that could be exploited in Ad Valiant. There is IP that could be turned into movies and TV shows. I, I firmly believe mm -hmm. that, you know? I think all that's on the decline too. I think you're just flooding the market with so much of the same products. It's, mm. it's like with Batman in DC, it's just how much Batman do you possibly need? Sure. You get sick of it. Just like they did, Hollywood did it with the westerns. They did it with the the musicals. They just spam the world. Sure, full of so much the same thing. I'm already out. I have not paid to see any of these movies in the theater since Ant Man and the Wasp. Wow, you're out quite a while ago. Yeah, and I got another friend at work. He loves the Hulk. Yeah. Okay? Sees the little, you know, oh, beta male Mark Ruffalo version that they, they gave him. <laughs> He's out too. He doesn't watch the TV shows. He doesn't watch the movies. He's back at home probably watching the Incredible Hulk TV show from the 70s, 80s. He's probably happy with yes, that. I'm sure Kenny is doing just that. <laughs> God bless you, Kenny. God bless you, Kenny. So am I, man. Like, yeah. I'll take Lou Ferrigno <laughs> any day of the week. Yeah, and this is a guy, he loves the Hulk. He stood in line to meet Lou Ferrigno. Um, oh. I swear, at a Christmas party, he's showing picture, people pictures of his Hulk statue. 
Good. He was so impressed by this expensive Hulk statue. <laughs> and he's like, oh, look at this veins. Look at this detail. It's amazing. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Hulk is one of the greatest, <laughs> I think, visuals in comics. So I can totally understand that. Um, he has shifted a lot of action yeah. figures. I've got about four different, four, at least four Hulk action figures and statues myself. Oh, and, yeah. um, Hulk has always been popular. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, I, mean, I mean, look, I appreciate it, so much your time. Go ahead, man. What was what, what were you about to say? Oh, I was just going to say um, he's suffering from the same thing that he man suffering for, mm. from. Um, he's too manly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry, but that's it. He's the angry man. You know, sure. he, he's really fueled by rage. You know, the Punisher, same thing. But that's so what? Not... Like, that's their characters. You know. Who gives oh, a I shit? Know, but like, it, I'm just like, and that's the funny thing. Like, like if you look at the Punisher, they pretend they hate the Punisher so much. Yeah. They love the Punisher. Yeah. That skull that I got here, yeah, that sells. I literally see this skull every single day when I yeah. leave my house. Good. It's on people's hats. I've seen it on body spray. It's on people's cars. No matter what part of town, rich, rich part of town, yeah. poor part, I see that skull everywhere. It's a great marketing tool. You know, they just hate that um, some idiot at the Capitol riots wore a Punisher fucking hoodie or shirt or something. They, you know? they hate these characters because of who likes them. Yeah, yeah. And look at Jerry Conway. I mean, oh, yeah. he hates his own fans. I mean, sorry, Jerry, but <sighs> the Punisher people love is not your Punisher. If you read those early Spider-Man comics... That was a lame-ass Punisher. Oh, he was okay. You know? I, I don't mind him. I'm just a soldier fighting a lonely war. It was pretty cool. But, like, I agree. They did. It's Mike Barron and Chuck Dixon's Punisher that really, you know. Yeah. And that's ironic that he's going and trashing Mike Barron nowadays. That was Because that's yeah. the only. That was pathetic. Him and Stephen Grant, Chuck, they're the only reason people have that skull everywhere. That he, they made that character popular. Yeah. Yeah, true. You know? They, they put it through it. That was a weird moment when Jerry Coleman went after Mike. It just didn't make much sense. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, like, be an adult. You pointed out the irony that he's he hates this, he, like, hates the fan base of Punisher, but he's so proud to point out, I created this character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh, look, we've had Jerry on the show, and he was a lovely guy, but, yeah, he's, he, look, I think for him, he's retired, He's he's a left winger man, you know what I mean? Like he's he's oh, kind of probably yes, a bit yeah. embarrassed that his creation is embraced by a different constituency to what he believes in. You know, there's probably a bit of self loathing going on there when he looks in the mirror. It's all a bit, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm speculating, but for me, it's all a bit much. Like, dude, the character you create a character, it blew up big. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? He fights crime, by the way. He doesn't actually... He's not a serial killer. He fights crime. People seem to forget that. Punisher isn't like this mass murderer of just civilians. He kills organised crime people and, like, pedophiles and, you know, rapists and stuff. Like, he kills bad people. That's the whole concept of the Punisher. So, good, as far as I'm concerned. And look how much they milked him. I mean, he's been in video games. Yeah. They made at least three different movies, a TV show. Yeah. Now they're pretending... They, oh no, he's so problematic. It's like, no, you're cashing in because your comics aren't selling. Yeah, that yeah. skull is selling. 
yeah. mean, I picked up most shirts at Walmart. Yeah, the, the merchandise <laughs> is selling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's 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 uh. crazy. Well, Michael, I think you've done a really great summation. We've hit a lot of key points. Now, is there anything you'd like to talk to the audience about or anything, last comments you'd like to make? Like, what's going on, man? Like, anything you'd like to promote? I mean, the floor is yours. Oh, we, still got, we still got the manga to talk about. Oh, please. Yeah, talk <laughs> about it. on a bright note. Yes. It's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. Manga's doing really well. <laughs> and are you a big manga fan? Yeah, I was reading a manga. I'm reading uh, My Hero Academia, which is actually about superheroes, believe it or not. Mm. Uh, I finished Demon Slayer. That was pretty good. Cool. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of manga. Wow. Um, Yona the Dawn, that one. You get along with Rich's I mean, girlfriend. Rich's girlfriend's a big manga fan. There you go. I think everyone is now. I think comic book fans are they are a dying breed. Yeah, but yeah, it feels like it. The manga section here, this is actually why I wanted to write this mm. long rant that I mailed you. Mm. Because the comic book industry is always taking credit for these record-breaking sales. They're claiming they had $2 billion in North American sales in 2021. Mm-hmm. And all these comic book, you know, the, the media and the syncophants that, you know, CBR and Bleeding Cool, they all act like it's all hunky-dory, everything's sure. great. They're taking credit for all of it. If you break up these numbers, almost none of it is from them. It's like out of that $2 billion figure, $1.5 billion are from graphic novels. And manga counts as a graphic novel. Mm. And only $400 million are from comic book sales. But if you look at the, you know, any year in the past four or five years, mm. it's all King Small number one. It's all retailer manipulation. Order a hundred copies of this, you get this cool this variant cover, and that's how they're propping up these numbers. And the digital, that's only one seventy. Yeah, and that that was the most interesting thing because whenever someone would criticize their characters like Ironheart or Squirrel Girl or whatever, the talking point was always they sell phenomenally (laughs) in digital. Right. Why aren't they still being printed in digital then? You know, I yeah. mean, I just yeah. comment you, like I said, pretty much shut down. All yeah. these other platforms are down. If you were to go on uh, Google Play, they have like a Google Play Books. Uh-huh. All the top digital comics are all manga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a lie, dude. I, I think it's just a lie. Like, just they just lie. Like, if they don't have to release the oh, sales yeah. data, they can say whatever they want. But really, but I know why they don't release it because here. <laughs> Let's see, I got manga scales. They've skyrocketed um, up 45% in 2020, up 160% in 2021. And the 2021 numbers, um, NPD book scan, mm. they separated the three categories. Manga made up 76% of the sales. Non-superhero books were 17. And superhero books only made up 6.5%. But when they go and they take credit for the two billion, they think it's because of you know whatever they're putting out at DC and Marvel, and it's not. I've got a question. Just... With all this shit going on, like if I if I had a loss leader going on, why can't I have a Lobo fucking omnibus from the nineties by Alan Grant, and why can't I have a Lobo ongoing? Like, because there'd be a fan base. Would you agree there'd be a fan base for that? There'd be some people who'd come I think back. 
they're probably going to have to start doing print on demand. Okay. I think that's probably the only way they can survive because they have all these comics scanned. Yes. That's what the comicology is. It's just you're not paying for a digital comic. You're paying for access yeah. to that comic. Yeah, 100%. And if you have all that stuff, I mean, server space, you have to pay money to run those servers. Sure. And if you're not bringing in enough people buying access to all your individual comics, yeah, you can't pay the bills, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like, that's one thing. Like, Jim Lee, I don't know how that guy stays in the job because I swear to God, I, I question what he does other than just exist. You know, he just, he doesn't seem like a decision maker. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I I have heard him talk very positively. Some people talk about how he will babysit a project and get it to light. Like, there are some examples of stuff. But outside of that, you never hear strategy from him, you know, ever. Yeah. It's interesting. He just doesn't seem to be the strategy guy. Like I said, back in the 80s, they dug their grave with a comic book store. Mm. They are afraid to work outside of that. That's why they don't want to appeal to a mass audience anymore. Mm. And that's pretty much it. I mean, you look at... You look at all these other things that are doing great. Manga, manga, like I said, is not sold in a comic book store. They're yeah. sold in these big box stores, and you usually have to elbow people out of the way to get near them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff sells out. Yeah. There's some title that just released a few years ago. They went out of print. They're selling for like $100 on eBay. Yeah, yeah. So they That's shoot crazy. up value just, just going out of print and just like a few months later. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's if I was looking at my competitor in in the store because it is manga to these comics, like mm-hmm. I would be trying to replicate not so much the uh, how can I say the storylines. I would be looking at at their actual business model and their and their volumes and that kind of stuff. Like I would be going down that route a bit more, um, you know, where you're sort of putting. Like a manga of like the DC and Marvel stuff. I'm sure they've done it before, but but that kind of stuff. Yeah, they just released a Deadpool manga, actually. Okay, well that's cool. So no, that's something... it was actually done by actual Japanese creators too. Have you checked it out? Mm, no, not not much of a Deadpool fan. I'm Sorry, a, I'm a huge <laughs> Deadpool fan. Um, but, really? But, yeah, I, I never knew. Listening. Listening to this for five years. Yeah, you've never, never heard me mention it. it. Yeah. No, no, see, I, I wasn't aware they did that. See, that's, to me, smart. You actually, I think that's a clever thing. Because some of this stuff, you, you can only know by trying. Like, you, you will, you will, you will, mm-hmm. don't die wondering in business kind of thing, especially in the comic book business. They've had to adjust their models before. Um, I think yeah. it's overdue. I, I, I think, unfortunately, for the last five years, it feels like they've been dithering. You know, it feels like for the last five years, they Marvel and DC mm-hmm. have not made any substantial changes of anything. Their only solution at Marvel is just reboot everything after 12 issues. That's all they can come up with, you know? Yeah, because they know retailer manipulation is going to give them a certain amount of sales. Yeah. And then after issue 14, time for another reboot. Yeah. And see, that's what I noticed is the big difference between manga and American comics is <sighs> in manga, you have to pay attention to your fan base yes because they're they're printed differently they have those big uh omnibus things yep like shonen jump that's like i think the most famous one the fans have to actually fill out the card 
and mail it in and tell the editors what they liked. Yeah. And that's how the editor knows what's popular and what's not popular. Yeah. And once a title, they hit a certain, you know, level of uninterest, they're told, okay, you need to fix your manga or it's going to get canceled. Yeah. Whereas in American comics, the more negative stuff they hear, they seem to thrive on. Yeah, I know. They're weird. It's like the more people who hate their comics, they're just so happy. I know. They're they're odd. I I think, yeah, they're they're weird. It's a weird, it's a weird system where they, I understand what you're saying. They sort of, they go after their own fan base. It's weird. And, you know, um, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on on social media too, where I think it's the minority mm. kind of like ruling the roost kind of thing all the time. And I don't know. It's just, it's noisy. It's unpleasant. It, there's a lot of, it's a witch hunt constantly going on, which I don't like. Um, all the evils that they have imagined were done to them. They're now doing, you know what I mean? Let's, it's, it's, it's like, they've got the pitchforks out and they've got the burning stake. So there's there's still a witch hunt going on. And they're so angry at these comic gates guys. I mean, like I said, they if the comic industry is the sinking ship, those are the guys that got on the lifeboats. Yeah. And they're just so intent on shooting them out of the water. Oh, they don't yeah. care that they're they're just going down. They hit that iceberg called Munga <laughs> and Munga is just slaughtering them and they just don't want to acknowledge reality. It's like they're locked in the civil war while meanwhile the barbarians are just taking over the empire and they're, and they're locked in their own sort of petty conflicts and it's it's bizarre to me. Like it's it's like yeah. to me the comic gate stuff is a distraction nothing more. If I if I was running Marvel or DC like they're not my primary focus at all. They're just they're doing their own thing in their own space like let them who cares. You know? Um, oh yeah, I mean, they're jealous because uh, people like Eric July they sold like three point five million dollars yeah. worth of comics. Yeah, but yeah, I got some numbers here. This is what they should be paying attention to. Since twenty sixteen, Demon Slayer sold one hundred and fifty million copies. Yeah, Naruto sold two hundred and fifty million copies since nineteen ninety nine. And One Piece has outsold every Batman comic ever. Wow. Really? Half, half a billion. And that's just since 1997. That's cool. Uh, only Superman. Only Superman is above. Superman has 600 million. But he had a 60-year yeah, head start. He so had a big head start <laughs> since the 30s. Well, dude, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have you on again. We should have you on again for just a regular show, but... I'm I'm really thank you for taking the time to um write this email. Um, obviously we're all we're in touch offline a lot, but um, yeah, man, I, Michael, it's been an absolute honor to spend some time with you and, and get into the mind, dude. There's a mind there. Wowee, you know, and you're in deep. I, I'm lost in my in my you know fantasies of simulation and alien conquest, and meanwhile you're a man on the ground. It's great to see. It's great to see. So. Oh, I mean, if, if anyone wants to take a look at these figures, it's just it's clear that this whole industry, they're just they're jealous people. They're trying to take credit for other people's work. It's just it, they've already exploited their own creators mm. for decades. Yeah, now they're trying to take credit for someone who's not even in their industry. Exactly. That's like a 
line too far. It's you know? pathi- it's pathetic, basically. Like they're exactly they It's almost like a car manufacturer trying to take credit for another car manufacturer's sales. It's like, yeah, they're selling a lot more than you. You shouldn't be happy about that. all right michael i want to say thank you um is there any way you're kind of a a non-social media guy so do you have anything to promote or anything you would like to say to the audience when elon Musk bought twitter i did sign up and i followed you for about an hour and a half then i deleted the account oh okay well there you go so i had a follower then i lost one that's all right yeah for an hour and a half the thought that counts Dave. it's the thought that counts look we love you on signal <laughs> thank you michael good night good night